This sound recording is protected through international copyright. 2019 to present. RadioAI.net. All rights reserved. Radio AI. Come on. www.radioai.net. Hey, cut it out. You're messing me up. The public resource for artificial intelligence literacy by the people who do AI. Come on now. Welcome to the Radio AI Podcast on Robots. I'm your host, Cindy Mason. I worked on robots and AI at Stanford University, UC Berkeley, and NASA Ames. And today's podcast is a brief but informative exploration about robots. Well, look at the kinds of interactions we can have with robots and what it's made from. Robots are what we think about when somebody says artificial intelligence. It's kind of the symbol, in a way, of artificial intelligence. Think about who some of your favorite robots might be from the movies. R2-D2? C-3PO? Or what about the helpful, cute BB-8? It's orange and round. I can roll through the desert. These are popular examples of robots. C-3PO and R2-D2 are characters in a film. But if you find yourself in a library, a shopping mall, a grocery store, and there's a robot, wouldn't you want to know what's it capable of doing or who's controlling it? How do we interact with it? When people say robot, what do they mean by that? We're going to answer these questions in this radio AI podcast. First, question one, what is a robot? And then second, question two, how do we interact with it? The answer to this question will tell us a lot about who's controlling it and what it's capable of doing. So let's get started. Okay, so first, question one. What's a robot? Really, it's about sensors and effectors. To put it simply, robots could be said to be made up of sensors and effectors. Examples of sensors are things like bump sensors, a camera, temperature sensors, and so on. The sensors give the robot awareness of its physical environment, much like our five senses do for us. Effectors are the way a robot acts or has an effect in the world. It's an action, it's a movement, it's a light that gets turned on. Its action or its effect is a response to the sensor input with any other information that it has. Sometimes, like in an insect robot, the behavior that it affects, it reacts directly to the sensors. It has no other information. In more sophisticated robots, there is memory, there's knowledge, there's learning, there's evaluating, there's cloud access. Sometimes there's interaction with other robots to collaborate or other devices. There can even be users involved. Examples of effectors include an arm, a voice, or a body. Sometimes robot bodies have locomotion so they can roll, turn, walk, etc. So now we know what a robot basically is. Let's turn our attention to how we interact with it. Question two, how do we interact with a robot? We've created different ways of interacting with robots depending on the circumstances, like how close we are to the robot, because the amount of time it takes to send a message can be either instantly, or it can take a long, long time, like if it's on a planet that's millions and millions of miles away. 
Our interaction also depends on whether a robot is connected to us with a cable, like a tether, or if it's a wireless connection. It can also, for long distances, go via satellite, and if it's out in space, it can go via an interspace network. So we've divided the kinds of robots and robot interactions into autonomous, semi-autonomous, teleoperated, and then softbots. Okay, here we go. Robots can be autonomous, that is, capable of carrying out complicated behaviors or decision-making on their own. So, autonomous robots have no interactions with others, like in a factory, a factory robot. The kinds of things that can actually be done autonomously depend a lot on the situation. If a robot's in a factory, for example, the task is often very simple and can be repeated without any unusual changes in the lighting or the environment. So to get the job done, no interaction is required. If a robot is trying to do something like land on a planet, in order for the robot to be autonomous, that is, in order for it not to need to interact with us completely, then it requires a lot more sophistication for onboard computing and the AI, the cameras and the image processing, pattern recognition, and so on. Another way to interact with a robot is called semi-autonomous, and that's where you have limited instructions. For example, like your vacuum robot that generally understands about vacuuming, but you might give it some basic directions, like this is a carpet or only do this room. Some parts of robotic surgery, for example, could be called semi-autonomous. The surgeon is there giving the robot operational commands but there are certain parts of the surgery that can be done autonomously, so it's a semi-autonomous situation. Some robots can be both autonomous and semi-autonomous. In other words, they can do certain things on their own without supervision, but other things require a human to operate it. Like the Mars rover, the scientists do send commands to the, to the rover up on Mars, but it takes a long time. It's 34 million miles away. You might, you might say that it's a remote-controlled robot, but not exactly. When it's on Mars, there are times that it can function on its own, like for finding certain kinds of rocks. It has a computer program on board, which does pattern recognition, an AI function, and spots these rocks. Robots can be teleoperated. Tele means at a distance, like television. It allows you to see something even though you're not there, or telephone, to hear something even though you're not there. So teleoperated means we're operating robots from afar. You can use a joystick or a computer interface for a robot that is somewhere far away. For example, we we drove an undersea robot vehicle down in Antarctica, Silicon Valley. In the teleoperated vehicle, we can see what the robot sees in Antarctica. The camera feed from the camera on the robot chassis, and in this case, it was under the ice in McMurdo Bay. The camera is fed to our computer screen in Mountain View. So we have on screen what the robot is seeing under the ice, but also we have controls of driving and using the arm. It creates a kind of telepresence. 
where the robot is physically present, but you're seeing everything the robot sees and you can control what the robot does as if you were actually there. It is like you're there. Telepresence. So if we happen to see that there is a specimen of interest or something unusual, we can drive the robot to the right spot that we're interested in, use the arm to pick up a specimen or collect a specimen and then place it back in the bucket or the collection bucket that's sitting on board the undersea robot so we can look at it later. And on one of the journeys with the robot, it actually picked up a specimen that had never been found before. In fact, it was believed generally that nothing really lived under the ice because it was a suboxygen environment. So it opened up a whole new world. And this would not have been possible without the teleoperation because people would not have been able to handle going under the ice. Uh, it's very dangerous. Another application for telerobotics in the future will be to combine innovative small medical surgical devices together with telerobotics so that major surgeries like open heart surgery for example, things that require us to open the body considerably can then be done with small devices making small incisions so we don't have to put our big hands into someone's chest cavity. We can use tiny little incisions and use telerobotics. Sometimes robots will have all three different ways of interacting. They can have subsystems. That is, a robot, a single robot, can be made up of several different complex systems within it. Some of them may be teleoperated, some of them may be autonomous, and some of them may be semi-autonomous. And it has to do with the situation. The last category of robot is not exactly a robot in the traditional or the classic sense that we're talking about here. They're called softbots or robots in the cloud, like Alexa or Siri. You can use your voice to interact with them. In general, we can find all sorts of ways for communicating with robots. Here in this podcast, we're focusing on a classic robot and the ideas here are fundamental and cross all kinds of robot architectures and robot scenarios. We hope this brief but informative explanation of robots, how to interact with them, and what they're made of, is helpful. The next time you see a drone, or an automatic car, or even a robot companion, you'll know, you'll know a lot more about what's really going on. Thank you for listening. This has been Cindy Mason for Radio AI. Stay tuned for more Radio AI podcasts.